Yesu ya Isa. Jesus is enough. And that was Jesus is enough in Hausa. Not sure where that is, but Jesus loves him. And Jesus loves you too. And Jesus loves Caleb Berg, the guy sitting right next to me. The band is back together. That's right. This time we mean business. We're coming for you. You're listening to Grace Walk Radio. And uh, we are thankful that you are with us today. Caleb, welcome. Howdy. It's, it's good to be back in person. It's, uh, it feels weird. I don't, you know, I don't really know how to interact with you now that I can see you. I know. I just got out of, for those that don't know, I just got out of quarantine from uh, my entire family, except for my oldest daughter, getting smashed with COVID. So we got that out of the way. Um, it's good to be back in person. This is actually the first time, like driving here today was the first time I've left my house in a couple of weeks. So I feel good, man. Feel yeah. feel fresh. Good. You know, you look good. Well, thank you. I mean, you don't look like you just struggled through <laughs> Are you being nice? Because I know I I've got. <laughs> I am. Because I've got like wild hair and a and a full beard now. I'm I'm okay with the full beard. Yeah, I I, I am. You know, I mean, I figured you would be. If our audience knows what I look like, you know, I'm okay with beards. Um, yeah, I mean, I if if it was me, I'd probably still be like milking this thing for all it's worth. I'd be like hoping that my wife would be serving me hand and foot and. You know, she wouldn't, but uh, let's just say I'm one of those people that when I'm sick, I uh, make a big deal of it. <laughs> well, there's an expiration date to that. So eventually you're like, man, it's just, can we get me out of here? Yeah. And uh, I mean, I, I've had enough, uh, I've had enough Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> uh, my boys, for some reason, decided to circle back to those, you know, episode one, two, three of Star Wars. And, and I had to watch Jar Jar Binks again, which... Um, you know, circling back to <laughs> <laughs> what I said to start the show, Yesu Ya Isa, Hausa. Hausa Yusa people doing? <laughs> and now I've offended all of our Hausa listeners whom Jesus loves and will redeem and will be there in Revelation 7 around his throne. Um, you've offended all of them. Where is Hausa, by the way? Do we know where that is? I, don't, I mean, I don't even know how to spell it. Like, H A U S A. Maybe it's like ha USA. Hasa. It's like some um, obscure part of the USA where people just joke around all the time. Niger and Nigeria. Okay. So it it's it's some of our now that is that is western I think northwestern Africa, I think, right? So pretty cool. Yeah. I'd never heard of that language before. I hadn't either, and there it was, and I had to say it because it was next on the list. Yeah. Yesu ya Isa. So that's good. Yeah, you know, I I don't know many people from that region, but the ones that uh I imagine are listening right now probably are wondering what the status is of our fantasy football league. <laughs> <laughs> if they've continued to listen. I've got big news here. Yeah. Okay, Vic, I had a I had a terrible run. Everybody knows it. You know, I I and it was it was my pride. You know, I fell. I started off the f- season undefeated, five and zero, and then I lost seven straight. But I won last week. Okay, making me six and seven. Yeah. And uh, if I win this week, I'm in the playoffs. But I have to beat a certain <laughs> player named Icebergs of Wrath. Yeah, and I'm on a hot streak. So this is really the match of the season right here. Uh, my my the guys that got injured and were sitting out and, and gave me that bad streak. They're all back. 
Um, I would not want to play me right now. Yeah. And I predict a decisive victory okay. for Cool Fish 2020. Right, right now it's showing 50-50. And for me, it's likewise. Like my guys, they could either, they could either go big or I will be sent home crying. Let me tell you some of the other drama that's involved in this, okay? Uh, my son, Reese, uh, is also six and seven. Yeah. The only way he makes the playoffs is if I lose to you and he wins. And if that happens, he's figured out that he would be the sixth seed and you would be seed. the third seed and you guys would play in the first round of the playoffs, which is his dream. He, he just He's obsessed with beating you. And it all depends on what happens to the Goonies and Bill's terrific team. Which you beat the Goonies this past weekend, which is the number one team in the yeah, league. I did beat them. Now I have to say, like the last two weeks, I've put up some serious numbers. Both weeks, I've had I think the most points in the in the in the league. I haven't been far behind, and uh, it's uh, all I got to say is it's going down. And I know all of our listeners, especially those in uh, in Hausa, I want to know Western Africa are are going to be waiting with bated breath to yeah. see the results of that. Hey, listen, this. Um, this show and um, this podcast is brought to you by That Vacation Company. Uh, looking for a place to go. Rates are good right now, right, Caleb? Yeah. Uh, people are booking uh, with an eye on the future. So you can, uh, you can connect with That Vacation Company on Twitter, at That Vacation Co. Also on Instagram, at That Vacation Co. And all of your traveling needs uh, can be met. Uh, through that company. Check it out. We appreciate their support of this show. We are going to be talking today about um, kind of an extension of last week, even though we didn't make it a series. Last week, we talked about can you have too much grace um, and how when grace is taught biblically and healthily and accurately, you cannot have too much grace. Grace is the balance. Grace is the source of every good thing in the Christian life. Um, so sort of as an extension of that conversation, today we're going to talk about the three uses of the law and uh, how we ought to think that through as Christians, uh, the role of the law, the gospel law, distinctives and, and relationship, and, and you know, how, how, do we, how do those relate? And um, we think that, you know, one of the healthy ways of doing that is to, is to talk about what's been commonly called the three uses of the law. Caleb, can you just kind of start us down that road? Yeah. Well, uh, I just wanted to mention kind of as a preface to it, you know, as uh, growing up in the church, um, in, in Pentecostal charismatic circles, like this concept of the three uses of the law was something I wasn't familiar with. Um, I think it's traditionally more understood in the reform context. Um, and and that's not to say that you know those who are Pentecostal don't have a view of the use of the of the law. Um, there are many who who do have more of a formulated view of it, and I've heard some good teaching on it in that 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 circle as well. So um, it's just that I think this con this conversation of the three uses of the law is normally more uh, familiar to those who are in the Reformed traditions. Uh, and I, it's only really recently that I've really had the opportunity to kind of study it and, and hear it and hear it dialogued. And so for me, I would like to kind of give credit where credit is due. For me, the conversation of it has really been uh, benefited by listening to the Theocast guys. They are other podcasters. Which is another podcast. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> 
um, solid theology and and just uh, a great way of of discussing things. So check them out. Um, but the the uses of the law um, is is kind of this idea of how do we understand them? Um, because you know there are distinctives between gospel and law, and we should have a good solid understanding of it. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and so. The conversation, I think, is important and and definitely tags along with what we talked about last week. So, uh, the first use of the law, and some of this is, uh, again, language that I, I took from Theocast, um, and, and it, it still is, is historically, I think, um, accurate in, in line with other teachers like R.C. Sproul and uh, other Reformed teachers going back even further. Uh, the first use of the law is to show us our sin. And to drive us to the Savior. Maybe we're used to the language of the law being a school teacher um, in that it teaches us about God. Um, we see that in the law, we see that God is holy. We see that his law is perfect. We see that his law requires perfect obedience. Um, and it, it does require obedience all the time. It, it demands that. However, what we see by looking at the law um, and this is referenced from Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 27, James chapter 2, and other places, that if we break any part of God's law, we're guilty of breaking all of it. And so, you know, I, I know I've broken God's law. Uh, you know, I've lied. I've dishonored my parents. I've, uh, I'm sorry, mom. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I failed to keep the law. And so that means that I have actually failed to keep the totality of the law. And so what that that should crush us like that should make me feel like I'm man I I I can't do this. And so what it should do is actually drive me to Christ. And that is the use of the law. Like that's the first use of the law. It it should show me that God is absolutely holy, that that God's law is perfect and that I am not and I have failed to meet his standard and so therefore I have to find a righteousness that's not of my own and that righteousness is only found in Christ. D.L. Moody, uh, the great evangelist, once said that the law was not given to commend us, but to measure us. And that's really what we're talking about when we, when we talk about the first use of the law, because I think human nature is to respond to God's law uh, incorrectly in one of two ways. Either we run from it, we say, I can never obey that, it's too, the standard's too high, I'm a sinner, and I'm just going to plunge myself into sin, and many people do that, so we rebel against it. The second way that people respond incorrectly to God's law is to see it as a way to fix ourselves. And so people uh, try to use the law, like D.L. Moody said, to commend themselves and say, look, I'm pretty good. I, maybe by comparison or you know, if God grades on, a, grades on a curve, then I'm better than most. But he doesn't grade on a curve. He, he grades only by his own standard. And the scripture says, no one will be declared righteous by observing the law in the book of Romans. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. So that's, that is that first use of the law, that the law has a ministry. To, its ministry is to, to show us our need of Christ. Its ministry is to point to Jesus Christ as the Savior. And that's why it also says in Romans, and this is sort of circling back to the conversation we had last week, but Romans is very clear about the fact that we are not under law uh, when it comes to how we approach God for acceptance and righteousness. It says, 
plainly in Romans 7, 6, but now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not the old way of the written code. And so though the law is holy and though the law is eternal, um, it is not by being under it that we obtain righteousness. We're actually um, released, the Bible says we're released from it as the standard by which God accepts us because now in Christ we're, we're accepted by God on the basis of faith in, in the one who did fulfill the law, in, yeah. in Jesus Christ, the righteous and holy one, and in him we are made righteous. Yeah. Uh, so the second use of the law um, is to restrain our corruption. So we know the civil use of the law um, is, is often useful in society. Um, you see this maybe in, in things like how the, the God's law is often implemented into the laws of man, showing what's good and bad, what's righteous and evil. And so as a restraining act on people, uh, we recognize that um, murder has consequences. It's wrong, and it has con- consequences. So when it's backed with a civil code, um, it often provides a, a phys- not not just a physical restraint, but oftentimes like that that um, deeper restraint on on the heart of of lawlessness um, by the threat of judgment. Now, again, let's not confuse that use of the law is to say that somehow if I keep that, that makes me righteous. Let's revert back to the first use of the law. There, it'll keep you out of prison. It'll keep you out of prison. <laughs> it'll it'll keep you from from hurting somebody, um, but it's not going to make you righteous. It doesn't save you. Because even Jesus, in his use of the law, showed us that it wasn't just the physical act of murder that um, caused a person to be guilty. It was the hatred and anger in a heart that violated that, that, that commandment that thou shall not kill. So, uh, again, revert back to the first use of the law. We're crushed by it. So, it, it will restrain. Way, it, in that way... Those who believe in the gospel of God's grace, and that's the phrase that Paul used, have a higher view of the law. Yeah. Because what, what we're saying is, if, if we say we're saved by grace alone, that means that I have such a high view of the law that I'm convinced that I can never meet its standards. Yeah. Only those who have a lower view of the law and, and reject uh, grace or think that grace is... Uh, is is scary, or you you know like we were talking about last week, like you can you can overstate it or over preach it. Uh, have they have a lower view of the law? Because in in a, in essence, you're saying that there is some place that I can attain to in my life where I could finally meet the standards of God's law and and live a morally pure enough life where I could please God in a way that would make me acceptable. That's a low view of the law because that that means that you actually think you can keep it. Yeah. So. You know, you might say that those who believe in grace, contrary to popular opinion, actually have a higher view of God's holiness in the law, Absolutely. not a lower one. Yeah, I agree. Um, and not just because we're here in person together and I'm like afraid of you or anything. I just agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's easy to agree with Derek when you're just chatting on the phone. There's no threat of violence. I don't know. <laughs> wow, that went that went way off. In the Are you trying field. to get out of my good side because I, I we're am. playing each other in fantasy I football? Am. Well, and, and you know. I, I am going to crush you. So, <laughs> listen, it's like Mike Tyson said, you know, in boxing, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> and by the way, it all Wait, starts. Are you gonna hit me? <laughs> <laughs> I may actually end up physically hitting you, but I'm not under law. So, um, even though 
the the law does restrain me in a civil way. Um, this time it won't, but that won't have anything to do with my righteousness. Oh. <laughs> Well, let's get to the third use of the law, which is to serve as our perfect guide for living in Christ. So, Derek, it would not be wisdom for you to punch me, not because I could fight back, but just because it wouldn't be wisdom. Right. It wouldn't be wisdom. Not that it doesn't have anything to do with my salvation. Um, there would be a civil consequence to me doing that if you press charges. But um, you're right. Like, if I, if I didn't hit you, that would be good for you and me. Yes. Yes. It'd be good for my face. Now, I have grown out a very full beard, so I might be protected. That's not really... It's padding. It's not enough. It's not enough. <laughs> well, I'll work harder on it <laughs> somehow. Uh, but yeah, so seriously, the third use of the law is to serve as our perfect guide for living in Christ. Now, I think that this is probably the area that, uh, by default, uh, the church has struggled very much with it in, in understanding the law. Big time. Uh, we take it not as a perfect guide, but as an absolute, you know, um, law. I mean, that's really the only you word mean when for it, it goes wrong. When it goes wrong, yeah. so like we take it and say like, oh, I can accomplish this, so I have to look at the law and and I have to live by every principle, or I fail, um, or that I can do it somehow. Whereas the the third use of the law to me shows that it is a guide and it is good, but again, it it all falls under. It all comes together in our understanding of our identity in Christ. Like, the law in no way threatens me anymore. Um, In fact, Scripture um, in Romans 7, uh, in verse 4, I quoted last week, says, Likewise, my brothers, you you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that you, in order that we may be, I'm sorry, in order that we may bear fruit for God. So, the law has a purpose. Um, but I'm, my relationship has changed to it. So, um, it still operates as a guide for my living in Christ, but it, it's not an obligation uh, that I have to keep in order that I might say I'm in Christ. Um, Sinclair Ferguson had a great picture of, uh, our relationship to the law and the way he, the way he described it was, um, in regard to marital law. Um, you know, when, when I, married my wife, um, I gained all these in-laws. Hmm. You know, I gained brothers-in-law and sisters-in-law, mother-in-law, father-in-law. And because Christ, it says in Galatians, came in the fullness of time under law to redeem those who were under law, uh, that we might receive adoption as sons, that means that Jesus did have the right moral relationship to the law. He, he came under not just under law, but under Jewish law, mm-hmm. to fulfill the law that had been broken by his people so that he could qualify, uh, first of all, for righteousness, and second of all, to be the perfect lamb sacrifice. So Jesus actually has a different relationship to the law than you and I do as New Testament believers because he actually did obey it, he did fulfill it, and he became that lamb sacrifice. And so Sinclair Ferguson uses the picture of of us being in-laws to the law, that through Christ, who's married to the law uh, because of his, his life, uh, death, and resurrection, we, we have a relationship to the law through him. We're in-laws to the law. We're not under it. He was yeah. under it. Um, but because he was under it, he fulfilled it for us, and therefore we are not under it because he was for us as our substitutionary yeah. death. So I, that's a good picture, that we're in-laws to the law. So the law is holy. The law uh, has a place in the gospel. The law yeah. abides, but it, uh, it's through our relationship with Christ that we properly understand it. Yeah. 
So, you know, in essence, like if, if someone is giving you the law in their preaching and, and you walk away with this sense of obligation, they're actually proclaiming to you a different relationship to the law. Right. It's as if they're proclaiming that you're married to the law, not Christ. And you're in Christ, so Christ has fulfilled the law because of your relationship with Christ and, and the fact that you're not in relationship to the law. You're, you're not obligated by that. It does have a purpose. It does have a sense, and it does guide us. Um, and this is where I'd bring Second Timothy 3 into the equation, where in verse 16, he says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So <clears throat> it is and an advisor and is a guide to us for living, um, but it assumes more of the role of wisdom than the role of law. And for me, the difference is this, and I, I picked up some of this language um, from, I believe it was Matt Ferris, um, who said that law carries the sense of obligation, whereas wisdom um, doesn't have that obligation. Law, with its obligation, carries a penalty. If you don't, mm-hmm. then thus and so. So if I fail to keep the law, I am under a penalty or a curse. Christ has taken all that. There is no more curse. Far as the curse is found. There we go. In the season. Far, we sing that every Christmas. <laughs> every Christmas. So that, that curse is, is done away with. So that relationship is done away with. Now, I am dead to the law. Um, it still is wisdom. It still is a guide. But it has no sense of obligation or curse with it. Well, if it does, then you've set aside the grace of God. Yeah. Because you're saying that what Jesus did wasn't enough for me. You know, Christ's perfect obedience, Christ's holiness, and Christ's perfect lamb sacrifice actually wasn't finished. It wasn't complete. I need to add to it with my own ability to keep the law. I mean, it really undermines the gospel, and that's why Paul uses very strong language in Galatians, and he says, you know, if, if righteousness came through the law, then Christ died for nothing, okay? So, if, if you say, well, I, I am under law, okay, then that means you're not under grace, and you're not, you're not appropriating Christ's sacrifice to mean anything significant at all in your relationship to God. And that's why Paul also said, anyone who receives circumcision, which was the, the law that the false teachers were trying to get the Galatian believers to submit to, he says, you're obligated to keep the whole law. Mm-hmm. So there's a danger there um, the minute you start thinking that way. Um, there's, there's, there's tragic danger. And, and that's why I would say when it comes to this third use of the law, that's why there's so much confusion and controversy around it, because I think there is a danger. We're talking about the law. So by, by nature, we're asking you to think about it and focus on it. And that there is an inherent danger in that, because human nature is addicted to self-salvation, and we so very easily fall back into coming under law again. And so in talking about the law as a guide or as, a, or as something useful for moral instruction uh, or something, you know, the third use of the law, this whole idea, moral instruction, guide, or the gauge of the authenticity of biblical faith, like, like James would say, faith without works is dead. In other words, yeah. biblical faith looks like something. You measure it by its, its authenticity, by what its behavior looks like. There's a huge danger there, and that is to functionally come under law again, and, and a lot of people do. Yeah. A lot of Reformed people do. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of good gospel-centered people do. It's because our fallen nature is so addicted to saving ourselves 
and working for righteousness that we so easily come back under it. And, and one of the th- questions we have to be careful of, and we've said this on this show before, but the minute you start asking the question, have I done enough? You're under law. Yeah. And you've, you've lost sight of the, the law-gospel relationship because there's no answer to that except insanity. Yeah. Because you, you can't. You, you won't. Where, you didn't. Where does it end? It doesn't end. And yeah. there's always insecurity there. I think that's the, that is an intrinsic danger that we've constantly come up against, and that's that question of what else, what, what more do I need to do? I often hear it said this way, there's got to be more. There, you know, there's got to be more to this relationship. Oh, I've heard that so many times. And it sounds good. You know, like, I mean, on the surface, that sounds right. Oh, yeah, well, you're right. If this is good, then there's got to be more. I got I to do something. And that's just appealing to my flesh. But that's a part of the fall. That's not the gospel. The gospel is done. Yeah. Jesus did the work. Right. When he died on the cross and he said, it is finished, it was finished. There's, no, there's nothing left for you to add to it. Yeah. Um, so it, it is appealing to the flesh to feel like, well, there's more I got to do. And we come to things like James chapter two, where it says, you know, faith without works is dead. Um, and, and that's true. Faith without works is dead, but that's not a prescription. Um, got to give thanks to Tom for that one. Uh, you know, it's, that's, that's the prognosis, Mm -hmm. but that's not the prescription. The prescription is believe in the finished work of Christ. Right. Believe in the gospel. Um, so when we come up against these things that seem like obligation or uh, maybe the best way to put it, um, the imperatives of Scripture, yeah. the commands of Scripture, because there are commands in the New Testament, um, we have to understand them rightly under grace and, and our identity in Christ. You know, Christ has fulfilled all of these obligations. And, and yes, a believer will do certain things um, if the life of Christ is is in them. The fruit of the Spirit is. But when it comes to prescription, when, when I see that I'm failing in an area, I can't say I need to do more of those things. I need to read my Bible more. I need to pray more. I need to fill in the blank. You know, it's endless. Um, it's so endless. I was listening to a podcast today where they were talking about the spiritual disciplines and one book lists upwards of 240 spiritual disciplines. I think they said I could have that wrong, but Man, I can't keep up with that. Man, you know? that's, that's exhausting. That, that's like the old plate spinner on the Ed Sullivan show. Yeah. You know, he starts, you know, that guy goes out there and starts spinning, spinning a plate, and then he, he sets up other <laughs> plates and he's spinning them. But by the time he's spinning the, the seventh, eighth, or ninth plate, the first, second, third plate he started spinning starts slowing down. He's yeah. got to go back and re-spin those. It's just, it's just an endless running around of trying to spin plates, you know, and, and keep them from falling. And, and it, we wouldn't be doing gospel justice to this topic if we didn't mention what Christ's law is, right? He's very clear. He said, a new law I give you, new commandment I give you, love one another. Yeah. And then that was reaffirmed, uh, you know, throughout the writings of the apostles and the writings of Paul, uh, when Paul said, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So what is the law of Christ? To love. And so one of the ways I like to think about this is, in Adam and Eve, in the garden, the original creation, God's moral instruction was very simple. One commandment, don't eat of the tree. So, simplicity. And then you have the fall, and then you get into the, the Old Testament and the giving of the law, the communicating, the, you know, the, the, the story of, 
the law and the temple worship in the Old Testament, and you have complexity. So mm. you have Genesis, you know, Genesis 1 and 2, you have simplicity, and then you have the old code, complexity, and then comes Christ, and he says, a new commandment I give you, love one another. And he brings us back, this second Adam brings us back to the simplicity that Adam and Eve had in the garden. And it really is simple. God wants it to be simple for us. Christ wants it to be simple for us. His command is to love God and love one another. And you will find, if you obey the command to love God and love one another, and if your heart is motivated by that love, you will find yourself accidentally fulfilling all the Ten Commandments and everything the law requires. And that's why it says in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, after it lists the fruit of the Spirit, against such things... There is no law. So Paul's saying, look, you accidentally obeyed the law (laughs) by fulfilling the law of the Spirit, the law of love, the law of Christ. So um, as we're talking about this, let's remember that 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 is his law. And sometimes we we separate, like, holiness from love, and we shouldn't. God's holiness is his love. His love is his holiness. They're they're not pitted against each other. They're one. And... Therefore, holiness is pure love. So as we love one another purely and as we, as we seek to love God, we will establish holiness, but not by being under law. That's, it's produced by the motivations and the life and the power of the Spirit at work in the believer. Yeah, amen. Yeah, and, you know, as you, as you, you know, even talk about the law of Christ, you know, it's it's clear to me as as you're describing it that that's only fulfilled in relationship to Christ. Like that's it's only fulfilled by the fact that I'm in Christ and and His Spirit dwells in me. And you know, like it's not it's not through mustering of strength or or abilities or some natural inclination that I have. It's through relationship to Christ that the life of Christ is is poured out in me. You know, I've even been thinking a lot about sanctification lately. You know, sanctification so often is is minimized in such a way as to say that it only deals with your behaviors, like it's behavioral change. Mm. When in reality, the broad context of sanctification is more to do with love for one another, fulfilling mm-hmm. the law of Christ. You know, if if you need more patience, that's not more patience so that you'll quit. I don't know, smoking, cussing, fill in the blank with whatever the holiness movement has thrown in there as the obvious sins. It has nothing to do with that. It has mm-hmm. more to do with the life of the church and, and the body loving one another than anything else. That's that's real sanctification. Yeah. We, 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 we miss it so much when we take the things of God and make them all about me and my life my spiritual disciplines, my individual reading of the word, my prayer life, my fasting, my ability to not sin. It's its more about our relationship, you know, yes, vertically to God, but horizontally one to another, to the family of God. You know, if if the fruit of the Spirit, love, patience, kindness is all about me, then my relationship with you is going to suffer. It's it's got to be more about this horizontal relationship, and you can't see my hand motions because we're not a video podcast. They're outstanding hand motions. They're great. <laughs> you know, I wish I could do this when I preach. I have better hand motions. Uh, 
but you know, between me and Derek and and me and whoever is listening, me and you, you know, our our relationship to each other, that's where this needs to be lived out. And it's only by the 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 grace of God at work in my heart. Yeah, I think it was C.S. Lewis who said, um, no one knows how truly bad they are until they've tried to be very good. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and at the end of the day, um, with this topic, when it comes down to um, understanding the gospel-law relationship, and, and if, if you're wondering what you need to do, because again, that's that's our nature, right? Okay, listen to this show. Just just tell me, just give me the bottom line. What do I need to do? What you need to do is believe the gospel again, or believe the gospel more, um, because every use of the law, uh, I think that we're talking about here, is intended to point us to um, Christ yeah. and our faith in Him and our love for Him. And when we lack that love, um, our trust in him to uh, cover us in our weakness and cover us in our, in our frailty, in our sin. He did what we couldn't, and that's grace. You know, grace is not for those who can, would, couldn't, did. It's for those who couldn't, wouldn't, um, didn't, and, and won't. Yeah. And, and, um, and that's why it's called grace. So remember today, Jesus is enough. Uh, enjoy the Christmas season, and remember, um, remember why he came, uh, and the whole the whole point of his sacrifice, and that was to rescue us because you and I needed rescue. We were we were so bad apparently that the Son of God Himself needed to come for us, and He did, and He did it willingly, and He now sits enthroned at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for us. And so far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, we, uh, he, he redeemed us from the curse of the law. Uh, and yet, let's, let's not discard the law as uh, useless or uh, somehow uh, unrighteous or unholy. Uh, it is established in the gospel. And um, when, we, when we do understand its proper place in the Christian life, it really does bring us to a place of rest, and um, we cease from our labors in Christ. And, that, and that's the goal. That's the goal of the gospel, and that's our hope as you listen to this show, that you would rest and uh, you would know the joy of your salvation. Anything else, Caleb? That does it. All right. Well, thanks all for uh, joining us today, and remember, Yesu Ya Isa. Yesu Ya Isa.